0: Welcome to Thunderdome Metal Review your church of heavy metal. I am the Reverend Dangerously. With me is Tracy Newport and Dr. David Pizzo. How are you gentlemen doing tonight?
1: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good.
2: Winter, Winter's rolling in. It's like 40-something degrees outside. It was 85 two days ago.
0: It was. It <laughs> so was a, a precipitous change, for sure.
2: It was a weird time. I'm, I'm happy for it. Yeah, I'm kind of ready for it, too. I was Mosquitoes came back. And then that one. Yeah. Very Kentucky.
0: <laughs> it was super Kentucky. Um, but we are talking about something that is not Kentucky today. We are going mm-hmm. back to the, the olden times of mine and David's youth and talking about the fourth studio album from Carcass, Heartwork, released on October 18th of 1993. So just a little over... Gosh, what is that, 27 years ago? Um, yeah, man. Wow, we're old. Um, <laughs> the runtime on this album is 41 minutes and 55 seconds. The lineup for the band is Bill Steer on lead guitars, Jeff Walker on bass. Uh, he was also the vocalist and wrote the lyrics. Michael Amott also on lead guitar, dual lead guitars in this band. Ken Owen on drums. And they had an album that was designed by H.R. Geiger. So the second one of those that we've seen, and the other one being the Danzig album, and the producer for this was Colin Richardson. And it was released on, what label was that? Earache Records.
2: Yeah, this is part of Earache's golden age.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So Tracy, you know. I think you're the new person in the barrel on this. So uh, why don't yeah, we... I was
2: gonna, I was literally about to put him on the spot. I'm like, so Tracy, what, you... <laughs> what do what I what think you of said? you? Because these motherfuckers are part of the reason you have your precious
1: melodic death metal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and this album, I had been on my uh, ticket to pile for a while now. I was like, good to check it out. And I will say, this is probably something that the, maybe might be hyperbolic, maybe not. Some of the best guitar work I think I've heard in an album in a very long fucking time. Just that they have such a nice, clean, and fantastic take on like this idea of like doing guitars where you have both guitars and see like playing two different lead solos at the same yeah. time for chunks of it. And it's like, hmm, okay. I mean, this is awesome. I, I I like this.
2: Um Yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole, man. The
1: guitar work on this is
2: ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And I think the only one album we've done that has a very, I guess you say one-to-one comparison to this is Arch Enemies Doomsday Machine. Is that the album we did?
0: Yeah. Way that's back the one in we the, did.
1: way back in the day. And like I'm getting a lot of the familiar notes and beats from that. But obviously, these guys did it before them. And then uh, one thing listen to this, one thing that stuck out to me that me and you had the issue while doing that album is just like you get very much what you got in the first track is what you got in the last track, and it never changed throughout the way through. And this band, this album's similar to that, but we're not having, the, I don't think we're going to have the issue, at least, of talking about it, because for Doomsday Machine, me and you are both like, eh, it's not bad, but it's not fantastic, and we're both trying to pull off our ass way to describe it. But this album, it does what they do significantly better than Doomsday Machine does. And this album just—it just the hits keep coming. It's really well done from start to finish, and I've loved the guitar work on here. And granted, melodic death metal vocals I think are a uh, take a little time to get used to, and I'm not exactly fully bought into those. But that is probably my only downside complaint of it. This may not
2: make it into the recording. What do you mean by the, the melodic death? Metal? I thought a lot of the stuff you like was melodic death metal. Just confused by that statement. Like Scar Symmetry? Would you not consider that melodic death metal?
1: No. Like, I mean, it never really clicked to me that that was melodic death metal. Like, it, the vocals are mm-hmm. different. So, like, I, I'm talking more like the vocals for this band. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. Doomsday yeah. Mission, for Arch Enemy, that they always yes. have, A Monarch yeah. Moth, Children of Bodom, like that even the early and fine stuff like they're the fry vocals are all very similar right. <laughs> yeah i know what you're saying
2: yes because Cargus is melodic death metal in so far as how the music sounds indeed they're one of the progenators they're sort of the uk's original melodic death metal band but the vocals are not the sort of metal core back and forth between fry and clean that's sort of a later innovation i, I get what you're saying yeah and so like, like
1: yeah, that enti- and it's also the way they do fry. It's not quite the growl that you hear sure. in other stuff. And it's not also like it's a very <laughs> it's
2: Yeah, like a reptile attacking you. I don't know. It's...
1: Yeah, <laughs> like that's actually a, a what you say. It, but it's, it's very distinctive compared to a lot of other like, fry vocals you get with other stuff.
2: For sure. And you're right. There were a fair amount of bands that sounded like this then. And, and so Carcass. I, I, this was the first Carcass album I bought I bought it around the same time as Ben and I were just talking about his uh Wolverine Blues by Entombed and I was so into this album I backed up And that was often true I'd get an album I think all of us do this like when like oh what, what did the earlier music sound like it wasn't quite as good it's interesting I mean they are a super hardcore kind of uh, in some ways they're f- f- predecessors of Lamb of God and sort of not quite radical veganism, but on that track. I mean, essentially they're in the same moral universe as cattle decapitation in terms of all especially the early albums. That was even clearer that they were about, you know, meat consumption, industrial society is mass murder. Um uh and these are those other earlier albums are pretty kick-ass, but this is the one where they really nailed it. Uh part of that's production, part of it is just experience. something so good. And they turned very differently after this. So Swan Song, which I'm not sure either of you have heard is very different again. It's like blues gets introduced and they, and um, Jeff Walker at least continues on that trajectory. There's a band that comes after them called uh, Black Star. That's even more just for sort of straight blues. And then they return again from the dead in 2014 and it sounds a lot like this. So if you actually heard this and then heard Surgical Steel Precision, I think that's what the other one's called, new-ish. You'd be like, oh, this band hasn't changed very much. It'd be like Tracy's Paradise Lost moment, but in between, all kinds of crazy shit happened in terms of, and, and you can see some of that blues on here actually, uh in terms of like the bass lines and some of what's going on. But um you know, I th- this thing existed also at the same time as more straight up death metal. So ninety three is the era of you know Morbid Angel. Uh, just all the day aside, Cannibal Corpse are all sort of rolling along. And this was, as Tracy said, so much cleaner and sort of more intelligible. And I, I would argue smarter. It's a pretty cerebral album. I mean, obviously, I'm giving it away. I like this album a lot and have for, thank you for making me feel old, Ben, for 27 years. <laughs> Shit, <dude. laughs> well, so, I thought this, know, this pretty soon after it
1: came out. Let me, let me just say this. 27 years ago, I was learning my alphabet. So we're just gonna put that out there. And when you make your feet a little bit older
2: <laughs> I'm still learning my
1: alphabet, Tracy. So it's just a yeah. different language for you now, right?
2: Yeah. Oh indeed. It's third or so. fourth. Um but yeah, I like the fact. That's that's my story. That's good.
0: So I think the allusion to Arch Enemy uh, is fair, but also I mean, Michael Amet goes and he's in Arch Enemy. He's one of the founding members, so that makes sense. Correct. I thought would... I thought
2: you guys knew that. Like, yeah, there's like overlap in terms of memo.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I did. I'm, well, I wasn't going to say that Tracy didn't, but I, for our listeners who might not have, um, I just want to make fun of Tracy. That's really what I'm here for, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, there is that. I the where I will disagree with you slightly, Tracy, is I didn't really think that this was as one note as Doomsday Machine was. I mean, Doomsday Machine was really good, but it kind of was the same thing all the way through. And here, musically, I thought that this incorporated a lot more different genres experimentally, well, especially considering, I mean, granted, we're listening to it in 2020, but thinking about this from an, an early 90s perspective, this was a lot more um, groundbreaking than I think hearing it in with 2020 years makes it. Um I think that although it's not quite death and roll like it, you know, Wolverine Blues, the, the album that came out at roughly the same time by Entombed, we do kind of see it starting to go that way. There are elements of thrash, there are elements of death metal. Um, they've kind of given up the grindcore thing that they did in the, the earlier stuff. I do agree with David that it does have a, a higher level of an, uh, intelligent writing to it you know whereas before some of their lyrics in the earlier albums it looks like they just had a medical uh, thesaurus and we're just kind of pulling stuff oh, out of totally
2: there that's um, what i used to say yeah, they took a medical dictionary <laughs> and went, went to town <laughs>
0: yeah so. yeah totally um and but man this is really really good and an underrated album i think i think it is a legendary uh, amongst a certain set but i i don't know why as good as this album is that didn't do better that it's not more well known um because uh, of the stuff that we've talked about from the early 90s i think this is pretty damn close to being as good as any of it i mean i don't know that it's as good as say um seasons in the abyss or rust in peace but the fuck man that's the cream of the crop but, but this is really oh, good it's, and the it's, called, and, I mean,
2: my, it's just like my grade it's approaching that
0: but i agree it's not quite there but yeah and but and the in some ways the way that the two guitars are working with each other is better than what megadeth or slayer are doing and i love the twin guitar attacks and those and threat and this is not thrash so i can't really fault it for that but you're right the interplay the way that these two guys are working with each other is it was really really fantastic
2: i think one of the, I mean, this is pure speculation, ladies and gentlemen. I think one, the UK, of course, is smaller. And some some UK stuff does break through, of course, but the UK's not the US. Secondly, I think the turn to blues freaked some people out because Swan Song is very different than this. So I, I think you, and then that was, the, that was it until 2014. So I think that killed a lot of momentum because I think often bands that are known are precisely the ones like. Which, what about Pantera, Slayer, Megadeth? they just keep, you know, for a long time, they put out product and sort of built up a fan base incrementally, uh, that came to, I think, a screeching halt between style changes and the band just disintegrating, if that makes any sense. So I think you just didn't get that sort of, you know, societal reverb action of them just putting out albums like this for a decade or whatever, or 20 years.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably
1: fair. Yeah, and... uh, if I came across as if I was like a one-to-one comparison to him in style and no, I wasn't entirely meaning that. Cause you can tell these guys are much more broader in their style. than our chimney was, that was very much, Hey, you're going to do this one thing over and over again. These guys definitely mix it up. And I do agree to an extent like 20, 20 years, listen to this, you know, 27 years later, Part of the, I guess you could say, the shock, I don't want to say shock value, but the, what was rarer then has, for at least for me, what of the stuff I was, a lot of stuff I was, you know, is kind of more common of the, here, we're just going to do this grab bag of genres and have fun with it. So, but yes, yeah, so I definitely think this is a much better, overall, better work than Arch Enemy's Days Machine was. Like, Doomsday Machine was very much a Paint by Numbers, Milwaukee, Death Metal, and state color and the lines kind of deal. And this is much more experimental with Siley's typically. I think the production
2: and the sound quality and how terrifying the fucking lyrics are has a, all of that I think has made this album age much better than a lot of what was coming out in '93. That's the other thing I wanted to say, Ben, is I think new metal washed all this away.
0: Uh, that's probably true too.
2: Yeah. Right, because that came out for the I mean, the historian and me is like, then there was the whole sort of new metal, rap metal like home explosion. for eight years. <laughs> this didn't fit in that either. So, but uh, I think this album has actually aged quite well because I only started listening to it again. I mean, I've listened to it off and on over the years, but when I was looking for what I wanted to inflict on you all, when I got added to the boat ride, I was like, Ooh, this. So I hadn't listened to it a bunch in a long time either. And man, I think it's aged far better than I won't throw any other albums under the bus, but most of them didn't.
0: Well, I think that you, you tapped into something there that I hadn't really considered in some ways it came both too late and too soon Correct. because, you know, coming out in 93, it was too late for the early nineties or late 89, 90, um, Pocket where metal was super huge, yeah. and, and then you're right, then it gets eclipsed by the alt rock grunge and then new metal stuff. And it being so, and I forget, I, I don't know why, but I always forget that they're from the UK. Um, yeah, right. so uh, I think that those and, factors-
1: then and it's too early for that bounce back of like post new metal. It's like, oh, fuck time to course correct yeah. here.
2: I was going to say that the 2000s, where a lot of the bands Tracy's really into, and now I am too, the, yeah, that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. So yes, they're sort of both too soon and too late.
0: Yeah, but um, I would say that they, this is definitely building the archetype that a lot of those bands are playing from. I mean, if there is is a forefather for melodic death metal, uh, this would be it. Uh, there's probably some other bands that I'm forgetting that could lay claim to the throne. But, you know, and part of it is because my climate goes into Arch Enemy, but to me, you know, Arch Enemy, the, the lines that they're coloring within, as Tracy put it, is the shit that they drew back in Carcass in 93.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, listen to this album, the guitar work on here, oddly, it reminded me a lot of, and I know Ben wasn't the biggest fan of this album, but Sludge and the guitars that they, and the way they, Layered the guitars and play the guitars for the album, kind of like looking like a, I would say, twenty eighteen comparison to stylistically guitar wise.
0: No, I would agree with that, I, and I actually like the guitar work in Sludge, but
1: Sludge, however you want to say it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
2: they're they're not just British; they're from Liverpool, which is um, like a,
1: <laughs> they're they're
2: like from industrial slummy... Hence, <laughs> so I guess what they sang about. I love some of the labels for their earlier shit: hard gore
1: <laughs> or splatter
2: death metal. Um, the album is very different than that, and I, you know, I think, yeah, I think this is both foundational from a lot of death metal, but did not get to enjoy the
1: the bump of it after new metal died. Yeah, yeah, because it was what 99 nine and on. You see that massive crash of the. A lot of metalcore, actually, with a Monomoth, moth, inflames, children of yeah. Bodom, and...
0: Well, shadow, Shadows Fall, man. Shadows Fall, Inflames, Argentine okay. itself, you know, all that stuff. that kind of came in in the late 90s, early 2000s. They broke up in
2: 96. <laughs> Not to reform until 2007. So they missed all that shit.
1: Yeah.
2: And a lot of that was label stuff. There, there was a variety of stuff going on. so Oh, good. Oh, no, yeah. Totally. Yeah, uh, was, yeah at some point we yeah, I feel like we should do that and surgical steel. I'm not we're I'm not going to inflict those early ones on you.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're
2: just not that they're, they're all right, but I mean, they're scary. They they're not like this.
0: Well, I mean, we've okay. done some early stuff. I like Paradise Lost It was terrible and then that Cannibal Corpse. It's better than that.
1: I mean, doing early shit, and I mean, we could delete this chunk of the discussion of doing some of the porn stuff, though. It also gives, like, hey, we're not just rating everything a B. B uh,
2: yeah. So I thought that too. Yeah. yeah we, we totally.
1: Almost, like... I pull some off the wall shit in which you're both like, God damn it, Tracy. Well, some of the random is doing that, I think, but mm-hmm.
2: the random selection. Yeah, we can put some bad shit. Like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to name albums. You know, it's, you know it's not good. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of it out there. Yeah. Can we go through Candlelight Courses catalog? Yeah, but even daily that, daily
0: <laughs> even that man, it gets to a point where there are some, at least. decent Oh yeah, no, albums. they get good. Yeah, but
2: not for a bit.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess that '97 album is decent, but before that, fuck that,
1: fuck that noise. So, once Corvus Garner joined,
0: I don't remember when he joined, but possibly '97. Um, so there we he go. Joins. So shall we talk about songs, gentlemen? Yeah, sure. Yep.
1: Um, I guess I'll go before David Dane's all. We'll look so, at
2: all. Yeah, go.
1: <laughs> so for me, I, I love the intro to this album. I think it's fantastic. Carnival, really the first three songs, Carnal Forge, No Love Lost is a good one, two, three. Hell, actually the first half through embodiment, especially are really solid. As I'm looking through it and just kind of like, yeah, I can't really name a bad song on this album. Like, I may just cop out and say it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, do, I, I like the uh, play on the Arbeit macht fleisch That's a... Yeah. Uh, fleisch. Fleisch. Fleisch.
2: So that translates to what work makes... W- work makes one meat. Okay. I was <laughs> like, it's, makes- it's Instead of work making one free, you, you, you meat, Tracy. I mean, you're living at that song every yeah. day. That's like yeah. about your life.
0: Grave to the grind, as yeah, it says dude. in the song.
2: Uh huh. It's a little Nazi, little cat critique of capitalism. Some Liverpool poof, your puppeteer.
0: Yeah, um, I really like that song as well. Um, blind leading the blind is also very good. I like doctrinal expletives. Buried dreams, to Tracy's point, is a badass opener. I mean, it is really, really good um carnal forge is so good that a band took that and made it their name um the the song uh heart work is a really good album track uh, title track yeah i mean those are the maybe the highlights but there's not a bad song on here there's nothing that if i this is an album that i can easily put in and it helps that it's only like 41 minutes long but it's album i can. yeah yeah, that I can easily put on and just listen to all of it and be happy.
1: Yeah, and it moves very quickly; it doesn't feel like it's dragging on. They no. don't waste
2: any time, kid. No. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna triplicate what they just said. There, all the songs on this album are good. My favorite ones, Barry Dreams, is like I don't know a dinosaur song you with a chainsaw that opener. Holy shit! Just just how hard it hits you, and that just wall of growl. Yeah. Which, as you said, Tracy, it's not for everyone, but uh, that song's amazing. No Love Lost. I fucking love that song, dude. That sort of that sort of slightly weird time signature groove thing I have going in there is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and just, uh, to me, much more listenable and sort of interesting than what they used to do before this. Heartwork is great. I fucking love Embodiment. That song's awesome. Your God is Dead. Uh, and then uh, Arbeid mock Fleisch. I have to say I actually like the first that song and then the first part of this album maybe a little more, but none of these songs are bad. Death Certificate is a pretty good closer. So yeah, I like them all, Tracy. Fine. But you said the same thing, man.
1: I did. And like I wasn't going to, and then as I was, I was looking at the album track, it's kind of like, all right. And then it's okay. like don't deny it. Yeah, it's it's all good.
0: All yeah. All right. It is. We grade it? Let's do it. Um, I'll go first if nobody has any objections. Uh, I'm going to give this thing an A. I don't think it's quite to the level of Rust in Peace and um, Vulgar Display of Power, maybe, but other stuff from this era, it's just, man. And I think I kind of slept on this album. I remember listening to it, but I don't remember being a huge fan of it. And this is something that I should have been listening to a lot more over the last 27 years because it's so damn good. I mean, it is, you know, just a, a notch below those other bands.
1: So I'm gonna jump in and go ahead and give it an A minus. Uh, it's a really fantastic well done album and they do a great job. And I agree that part of this isn't a larger part in cultural memory is because of this kind of time when it came out, it was right before that whole new metal wall of just a blitter black hole, just sucked us all out of metal for about eight years and but outside of that i mean it's just really well done fantastic not quite fully in my wheelhouse and per se but fantastic album
2: uh i'm gonna have to split the difference the other direction uh part of me was like should i just give it a high a you know fuck that son this album was an a plus this album is badass and the best album they ever make uh the one that i compare all others to you know to it um i admit it, made, it did not have the cultural resonance of something like Seasons of Rust and Peace, but man, this record is just so fucking good. And if I made you well listen to it as many times as I've listened to it, Stockholm Syndrome, would set, Liverpool Syndrome would set in, and you too would give it an A+. plus.
0: Well, I think that's just it. I think that the missing part for me to make it an A+, plus is the fact that I did kind of sleep on it back in the day, and I don't have the spins and all those other albums I mentioned I do. Because, I mean, you know... Uh, the, the albums that I've mentioned, uh, Volga Display of Power, Rest in Peace, and Seasons in the Abyss, are fucking desert island albums. And this is so close, yeah. you know, for sure.
2: Yeah, I drank this down like a bucket of lie. This swan song and Wake Up and Smell the Carcass, which is also fucking badass, including their song about the Confederate flag. <laughs> so it's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, I listened to Carcass a ton in high school and college. So for me, it's. I don't know what I'm bumping. Probably Metallica, but something, something's getting kicked off.
0: Yeah. Sorry, guys.
2: You, yeah, you, yeah. you did it to yourself. You did yeah. it to yourselves.
0: <laughs> they, they played themselves. So.
2: They stick a quarter in your ass because you played yourself.
0: Without a doubt. All right, uh, Tracy, You got anything else you want to say about this one before we head out?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I have anything to add. I just don't quite have the uh, life. With it that you guys do. I'm about 27 years behind on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. get older, dude. Yeah, <laughs> really. Like, yeah, just get older. I'm working on
1: it. I do. No, but find you it... also,
2: I admit, you, I am very grateful for some of the 2000s ness you've introduced into my life.
0: Yeah, because I get it. That
2: stuff you come in on is life life altering. I mean, it's why Ben and I, if we did a spreadsheet, like if you, the shit he and I like is nearly a Venn diagram that's a circle, <laughs> but I think it's generational.
1: Yeah. I do too. Cause you guys jumped on I mean, I think we've discussed it and you've all I know David at least have said that he fell into metal and the new metal kind of hard. I did. I fucking loved new metal. And so was, but like shit. It was like literally new. Well Yeah. <laughs> well, like my formative years was hearing I guess you say new metal at its peak. Sure. And then it crashing and burning.
0: Sure. And it crashed and so, so then far. it's like, oh, it, it crashed hard. so hard, yeah.
2: Mm. But the stuff that survived it, like slip Slipknot, some of the stuff that survived it is really amazing. Yeah, yeah it but is. But not in corn and like the ones that actually survived the the Permian extinction. <laughs> we'll it's more on that momentarily. Yeah, uh, we're are really good. All well, five even of them.
1: there's not very really- Yeah, yeah. But- well, I mean, like the flag. I usually the flagship for new metal, Crash and Burn, and. They're still trying to do it, but it's just not working.
2: Who do you think was the flagship? Like, Biscuit? Limbiscuit. Yeah, he, part of the problem is him as a person. We haven't done any Or did
1: you guys use significant other already? We have not. No.
0: Done any. Actually, oh. if I
1: was to pick a Limbiscuit album, it would be chocolate starfish and hot dog-flavored yeah. water. You're $3 bill, <laughs>
0: y'all. $3 bill. With that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, we definitely do should do that, but I agree. Uh, you can honestly make a case that they're for... And, we're getting super filled so I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But you can make a case that, therefore, six months to a year, that um Limp Biscuit was the biggest band on the planet, or at least American. Band. Oh,
1: they were.
2: I know. Mean, I remember that period. That's why I saw them that. I don't know. I don't remember if it was Ozfest or Lollapalooza. Like, I can never keep that shit straight anymore. I think it was Ozfest. Yeah. And you were just like, oh wow. I like Clint Bisco. I knew he was a douchebag. I mean, he was from Gastonia, North Carolina, man. Like, <laughs> let's And then they moved to Florida. So, like, let's have no illusions about what you're dealing with here.
0: So, I, uh, have, he's, a, he's a dick. <laughs> I have a story to tell that I, I heard secondhand. I don't remember who I heard it from. Um, actually, it was a music critic who's really famous. Uh, fuck, I'm forgetting his name. Chuck Cloisterman told the story. Um, and I will tell it here, and it might, I might cut it out. I don't know, but it ties into the recent death of Eddie Van Halen. So after Wes Borland quit Limp Biscuit, they decided to to try out Eddie Van Halen to play in it. What? <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> I don't know why, but Eddie Van Halen agreed to try out for it to, to go play. And I, I don't. Something happened. Dude was a dick to him. And
2: oh sure, Curtis was himself. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. He so Eddie Van Halen wakes up the next day and decides I need to go get my shit back because he like left his his rig and his setup and some of his guitars there. So he puts on doesn't put on a shirt, grabs his gun, puts on camouflage pants and duct tapes combat boots on, drives in a Humvee into the residential area where the the dude was living at the time, rolls up at his yard, knocks on the door. When he answers it in his red hat, he puts the gun to his head and says, where's my fucking shit? And, yeah. And so he turns and says, go get any stuff. And, like, he stands there and holds him at gunpoint while a bunch of guys load his gear into the back of this Humvee in this residential neighborhood. <laughs> and that is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard, <laughs> at least involving. Like Van Halen. I don't know if he was holding it, or I don't know if he oh, actually he was, was really holding it hostage. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened to have him do that, but yeah, maybe. Maybe he was like, you left it here, so now it's mine. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was crazy. yeah
2: dude. <laughs> that is that that did not I did not have that on my Eddie Van Halen bingo card.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, yeah, that was. I insane. wonder
1: how much cocaine he had done up to part of that. Like,
2: you it. I don't want to get it. He's that good, other than maybe than dancing, giving his ass beat by skinheads and thrown through a plate glass door at a party in Chapel Hill.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean it's Danzig I mean you know it obviously didn't kill him, in spite of him at all, but. Oh Chapel Hill,
1: oh, no. Danzig is unkillable.
2: Yeah,
0: until uh, he's not. But... So, uh, so he tries um, to take this. Yeah, it takes
1: more than what's available in this mortal world to kill Danzig.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. So what's next, Tracy?
1: Next, we are. Oh no, Rex Brown's new band, Kill Devil Hill, and their self-titled album.
0: Yeah, a supergroup album, if you will. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote. But yes, join us then next time on Thunderdome Metal Review.